I'm Jazz. Hi, I'm Ollie and welcome back to Mixed Talk. How have you been? I feel like I need we need to start doing this in the evening because I'm just in such a better mood than in the morning. Do you know what? I actually think I prefer them in the evening and I actually find it quite a nice downtime thing to do after work. Like I felt like I really looked forward to it today, whereas in the weekend I'm like, oh, it feels like work. It does. Whereas in the weekdays, in the weekdays I'm like, yay, podcast time. <laughs> I get what you mean just because like we're doing a podcast um on Sunday I'm usually hanging this is a lifestyle that I need to think about but here we are but it's a Wednesday after work I've just had a productive day and now I'm sitting doing a podcast that I've actually been so excited to get my claws into <sighs> okay yeah, okay I couldn't wait but before we jump into topics tell us the people how you have been I, like usual, have been good. So it has been very hot here for the last couple days or since since Sunday, I would say. And for some reason, England is finally going through their heat wave, which is literally in 30 degree heat after I feel like everybody else in Europe has been in 30 degree heat. But here we are, sweating, but it's lovely. I'm actually so happy that finally we've got a last bit of summer. It's very drinking weather. I really want to drink right now. So I've got a, um, what are they called? What are the Sunrise? Oh, mar- not margaritas, but... I thought margarita as well. That's so weird. Oh, it's not margarita. I know what it is. But, and everyone knows vodka and anyway. tomato juice. Yeah. I've got that, but without the vodka right now, because I was like, I can't, I need to stop drinking in the week, I need to be better, so, <laughs> or at least wait till Thursday, you know, so that's what I've got, um, but yeah, life has been good, last, last, last weekend was bank holiday in the UK, which was so nice, I remember, I'm pretty sure, Maybe it didn't. But anyway, when took my dog for a little holiday, me and Liv. Oh, stop like, it. Was like our dog needs a holiday because she hasn't gone away this year. So we took her to the beach for the weekend. We stayed over for two nights and we went on long doggy beach walks. Oh my god. This place was so good for dogs as well. She So, like, we got an Airbnb and she absolutely, like, it was a bit unusual at first for her, but she really, like, she really settled in the Airbnb. It was dog-friendly, so she could, like, w- run around anywhere. And then we were, like, 15 minutes away from the beach, so we could walk down to the beach and she could run around. They actually had a proper dog beach as well, so there were loads of dogs on this beach, which was really cute. And I feel like this place was just meant for dogs. They had like this um historical tunnel thing from like the World War that you could go into. But they sold doggy ice creams, like doggy meals and treats. So we got her a little ice cream and I took a picture of her on the beach without ice cream. 
<laughs> like she's my child. That is the cutest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah, I felt like she was so happy as well. The only thing that was really weird is that we got there Friday evening and we're like, right, was in the car for two hours. She's definitely going to need to go toilet. And she's really funny. She won't poo or wee on pavement. It has to be grass or like woods. She just can't do it. She's not used to it. So she won't even like wee or poo in the house. She only like does it in grass. Which is kind of good. It's a good thing. But there was... The garden was fake grass, so she wouldn't do it. So we had to go to a park, and it was like 10 o'clock at night, and she just wouldn't go. And we don't know why, and she literally didn't go until like 11am the next morning, didn't poo or wee, which was must have been like... 14 to 15 hours and we were like oh my god she's gonna be constipated we're gonna have to take her to the doctors or like the vets and she was fine but she just refused to go toilet in the house or in the garden she's a girl with class let her live yeah (laughs) it was so funny i think she was a bit traumatized though because after that every um for like every 10 minutes she'll stop to have a little wee and then carry on just in case you know <laughs> just in case p i also do that that is not good for i've read that it's not good but still but yeah it was great and then my family from australia have been over um on my mum's side so that was really nice um i made a massive like Caribbean meal on the Sunday because it was my uncle's birthdays it was actually really good I got to make um like palauri again which is those like split pea fried balls and I haven't made them in so long so I was a bit worried they weren't gonna work but they're really good and they went really quickly and I'm sad because I only had one so next time I definitely know to make more because they just you know, like, you're, like, preparing everything, so you wait till the end to eat, and then you're not that hungry, and I literally had one, and then I was like, oh, they're all gone, like, I was so sad, but it was quite fun, I literally spent the whole weekend cooking, which I haven't done before, so I quite enjoyed it. You just had a really grown-up week. I did, yeah, but... Yeah, that was my past week and a half. How have you been? How's life been treating you? Okay, so how I have been. I have finally, finally, (laughs) finally (laughs) removed my second wisdom tooth on the, like, on the bottom side. And they're the worst I have heard. And I honestly... I hate it. I hate it. So I removed it on Thursday. So I got like stitches and they're gonna, I'm gonna get my stitches removed tomorrow. And right before this episode, this is why I was kind of like iffy to do it on the weekend because I couldn't really like talk as freely or as clear as I could. But anyways, I can speak now, but it's still more of like, Anytime I yawn or like, I don't know, like stretch my cheeks. I don't know, you know, like when you like blow air in your cheeks and like puff them up. I cannot do that because like my cheek is kind of like 
sewn into my gum. (laughs) I feel like we need to put a trigger warning into this. So trigger warning, guys. Um, So that was great fun. Hated every single part of it. Ended up getting sick like three days after I removed my wisdom tooth and got my period while removing my wisdom tooth. So like a few days prior, I've been having like cravings for like um what is it called like you know like the chocolate buns and just chocolate and just everything not good for my body a few days prior removing my tooth and anyone who has removed any teeth or like had any like oral surgery knows that you cannot really eat any solid food for the first couple of days because chewing can irritate it and it's painful and la da da so i had to go on the soup <laughs> Oh, I remember being on that diet. Honestly. My braces. And I don't mind, honestly, I don't mind like soup and ramen or whatever. I do love that. But I, if, if I, when I have to, I don't want it because then I ended up having like this like searche packaged in cup noodles because I'm like, I'm not going to make a full pot of noodles and put my heart into it because I'm just trying to eat at this moment in time. So um, I've seen better days, but yeah. So having period cravings, cramping, face was aching, then got a cold. So that has kind of been my <laughs> my week. But um, better days. Um, I had my friend over over from home. Um, and she's actually a chef, but she didn't cook for me, so I'm kind of sad she should have cooked for me um but it was it was nice it was nice seeing her. i haven't seen her for a hot minute so it was like kind of nice to just catch up i uh, went to my sister's birthday it was really fun and i actually had a sober weekend um i had a sober weekend and um sorry i kind of got a random thing but i want to do that more often now i'm not saying i'm stopping i'm not stop i'm not stop drinking because i do love my wine and my cocktails but i went to like a birthday party where everyone was like drinking and the hardest part is um they were making cocktails but i genuinely could not drink because blood no alcohol is a blood thinner so if i drank alcohol i would start bleeding in my mouth and i was like do I want to bleed in my mouth or do I want that one cocktail? So I kind of, <laughs> I chose not tasting blood that day. And it was really fun. I haven't gone to like a drunk party so but it's really, really fun because you can just see everyone like evolving and being more like getting out of their shells. Well, I feel like I'm very social anyway. So when people start coming out of their shells, I kind of match their energy. So it was quite fun. Um so yeah that has kind of been my week i've just been kind of chilled lay low nice i just love how you said it was fun not tasting blood and (laughs) i can see how that's fun (laughs) well prior to this uh, when I got my first wisdom tooth removed, it was not that bad. Well, it was bad, but it was not like I didn't bleed that often. But my other wisdom tooth kind of reacted differently. So I started bleeding like the same night. And then, oh my God, um, to anyone who's listening to this, I do have like sensitive issues when it comes to biting clothing. I just, I cannot deal with it. 
so I got like oh my god okay I'm gonna say this quickly so I don't have to think about it so I had like a cotton ball that I had to like chew into (sighs) and I couldn't I couldn't get myself to do that so I was like I might as well bleed because I'm not chewing in no cotton so yeah my 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 uh yeah okay we'll just move that is very triggering for me because I just sensitivity issues with my teeth I cannot tell you're making my teeth feel funny okay uh enough about my teeth but yeah um so i'm not gonna get crooked teeth well not yet so i love that (laughs) um but yeah that has been that has been me that's great i just wanted to add i remember what the drink's called now it's bloody mary oh yeah sorry it just popped into my head so i had to say it oh yeah is it because of the blood (laughs) no maybe it is glad I could help (laughs) oh my god I I okay sorry but um I was at a friend's house for dinner talking about um alcoholic drinks I guess she made the bombest spicy margarita like a peach spicy margarita and she made it like homemade or like not homemade but like she had yeah honey and like she infused it with like jarabenos and jalapenos and just like she just did everything so organic and it was the best margarita i've ever 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 tasted so i will be downing it on friday okay i'm gonna buy the ingredients and i'm gonna be all chefy chef making my own syrups and get it get it into it thank you so we've gone from a i love a sober weekend i want to do more to i'm making spicy margaritas on friday honestly i did a sober weekend now it's time for me to not do a sober weekend you know it just alternates that is true it could just be like a once a month thing it could just yeah alternate alternate So recently, Ollie and I have been very into true crime and true crime podcasts, documentaries, all that shebang. Yes. So this week, we decided to pick a true crime case and tell you all about it, which I'm very excited about. Same. (laughs) Um, And we both agreed we really loved researching this so I can't wait for you guys to hear what we found and I'm gonna kick off with I feel like this is a pretty famous case at the moment because it's one of the most recent cases and it's the Lucy Letby case and if you don't know what the Lucy Letby case it was basically um spoiler alert if you haven't read the news Lucy Letby was an NHS nurse in the UK who killed babies. Crazy. That is absolutely disgusting behaviour. So I will just start with a few facts about Lucy Letby, who she is, and kind of like round up the case. So Lucy Letby, born in January 1990, was a British neonatal nurse, and she's a serial killer who murdered at least seven infants and attempted to murder at least six others in her care between June 2015 and June 2016. 
suspicions arose after an outbreak of unexpected collapses and in infant deaths between this time um, and Letby was qualified to work with the children at that time. As soon as she was removed from her duties, the incident stopped. In regards to this, Letby was charged in November 2020 with eight counts of murder and ten counts of attempted murder. Um, and then once uh, the trial was over, she was sentenced to life imprisonment with a whole life order the seven murders and seven attempted murders committed against 13 infants. One of the surviving infants she attempted to murder twice. Crazy. Jesus. Um, yeah. So that is basically Lucy Letby. And that is a really quick overall of the case. She killed babies and I'll go into like how she killed babies and whatever, but it is crazy and it literally has just happened so obviously like I said she was charged in 2020 and then she was sentenced literally August 2023 so literally last month she was sentenced and this has become one of the most prolific cases in the UK and I don't know if you know about Fred and Rose West. They were like massive killers in the 90s, like children killers. And she is seen as to be worse than them, which I don't know if I agree. I think Fred and Rose West were worse because they like awed and killed the children. So, and like awed their own children. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm traumatised already. Sorry. Yeah, I think, again, we should put a trigger warning on this episode. Trigger fucking warning, babes. Trigger warning. So, um, I wanted to start with that just to give an overview, but what I'm actually going to go into is a podcast that I listened to, which was on The Times, and it was a person called so the podcast is called the times and it's the story of our times podcast and the they had an interview with tom ball who is the northern correspondent for the times and he covered the trial since october 2022 so he actually did if you are really interested he actually did a podcast and followed the case from October 2022 up until now and there's like loads of episodes there's about 50 episodes so I couldn't get through it but it's very very detailed if you're interested and really good but anyway I listened to his podcast because it was an interview and he kind of gave a good roundup of what he found in the case and what made it crazy for him so um first of all this was a massive publicity case when it came out because obviously she was found guilty of murdering seven babies and attempted murder of others she was also accused of 22 counts of harming and killing babies um this became a really public case because i mean who kills babies for I one know. and two she was an nhs nurse like that is somebody you're supposed to trust. That is crazy. Um, 
Yeah. And so the first thing they covered was what was it like when she was found guilty? And apparently, because uh, he was in the room actually, it was really, really suspenseful when he said guilty. And um, the parents of the babies gasped, like there was a physical gasp in the room. Lucy let me cry. I just feel like I know she's allowed to cry, right? But I think surely you knew you were wrong, right? Fuck me. At least she has some remorse, I suppose. She cried and then apparently she looked at her mum and when she looked at her mum, her mum burst into tears and her father was there as well. And then the baby, the parents and the loved ones of the babies who got harmed or killed were consoling one another and hugging and it was a huge relief for them because they had spent literally months and hours listening to evidence in the court and having to relive their like murder of their babies or the harming of their babies so that was kind of the atmosphere in the court um and then I'll just go into a little bit of like what happened so Lucy Letby is from Hereford and she was a neonatal nurse from 2012 to 2020, 2016 at Countess of Chester Hospital. Um, she, so the neonatal ward is basically where babies are born immaturely and they're literally the size of the palm. So when they're born, they're, they can only be fed tiny quantities of milk and any more milk that they have is really bad for their stomachs and it can cause them not to breathe and like if it's really bad they could die so she killed these babies by either overfeeding them with milk um or insulin so then like they couldn't breathe or she killed them through a gastric tube by injecting air into their IVs purposely, like harmed them. And Tom Ball said in it that it's actually very, he like researched it's very hard for a nurse to accidentally inject air into somebody's IV. Like this is not an accident. It's a very purposeful death because like overfilling someone with milk, maybe you got the dosage wrong. But if you're working on neonatal unit, you should have. But actually injecting, like, the babies of air, very purposeful. And on top of this, she also was apparently poisoning the milk. Yeah. See, I was just making excuses for her in my head and then the poison just... No. She just didn't have any, like... Yeah, she, like, clearly did it. So what was crazy about this is nobody knows why she did it. Like, this is the big question behind it. There's actually no definitive reason why she did it. And there no doesn't seem to be any motivation. And she's actually weirdly called the vanilla killer because, one, because she has no motivation, and two, because she had a really, really normal family life. Like, there's just no background history why she should do it she's not like 
obviously she is a bit but she showed no mental illnesses she didn't have a hard upbringing she had like a really normal life um she was quite quiet and studious but she had friends she just bought a house in the same year she was killing these people she had a job that she wanted to do like she trained to be a nurse so like with this background there was absolutely no reason why she should kill these people so actually her friends described her as quite awkward and geeky but she was like very into becoming a nurse and she's always wanted to be a nurse um and her parents were really normal she's the parents were a finance manager and accounts clerk so honestly just a very very normal life no red um, flags no red flags um so the only reason why the only like motive or like reasoning behind it that they found which is I guess a bit strange is apparently she had hundreds of sticky notes all over her house but like hidden so they'd be in like cupboards and drawers and like books and stuff so it wasn't out in the open like everywhere she just had loads of sticky notes and um on some of them it did say I killed them on purpose because I'm not good enough to kill them and I'm evil I did this so it's not necessarily like her motive but it did show that she did it some people has have suggested that maybe she was excited by killing like she, it was like almost a god complex um and others said that it was because she wanted to attract the attention of a registrar or another doctor in the hospital that she had fallen in love with but some babies had already been killed before this so it doesn't really make sense why it would be to attract the registrar also the reason for this like i did actually did it to get this guy's attention is because if um a baby was harmed he would have to come onto the unit to help with the resuscitation so it's like oh lucy could be closer to him but uh tom bornet says he doesn't think it's that clear he said the only plausible motivation he could think of was that a nurse who worked on the unit described lucy as a teacher's pet who graved attention and appraise so it was a win-win situation if the babies didn't die she'd be praised for saving a child if they did die, she'd get sympathy for trying to save a child and losing them. So, yeah. But it's, like, really, like, messed up. I don't get how you would think that. I don't know. Oh, that is, that is twisted. Yeah. So, the hospital called the Countess of Chester Hospital, obviously... They had to comment on this because this happened in their care or their hospital. And Tomball said they have a lot of, they have a lot of serious questions to answer for because consultants, doctors voice their concerns since October 2015. So four months after she started killing and they were just fobbed off and told to carry on and see what happens. So they literally could have stopped what happened and because they didn't stop what happened, more babies were killed and two more died uh, because they just was like, yeah, it's fine. The only reason why she 
um, was stopped was because it was, um, there was an external review carried out. So they felt like they had to get rid of her. So she wasn't even like taken off the hospital completely. She was moved to clerk, like clerk duties in June 2016. And they actually, like the executives were actually pushing for her to be back on the neonatal unit. I'm guessing they must have been low on staff or something, but they literally wanted her back on the unit after she'd just been like accused of killing babies. And it was obvious that there were no more incidents after she stopped, but they were like, no, we want her back home. So, yeah. But the consultants were like, no, we won't have her work there unless she's got, unless they've got CCTV. So they couldn't put it on her. And then, uh, so the hospital had to put out a statement and they just said that they were deeply saddened and appalled by Letby's crimes. They were sorry it happened at their hospital and their thoughts are with the parents and loved ones whose babies have died. It has had a profound impact on their patients, nurses and everyone at the hospital, but they are committed to providing safe and quality care for all patients and will learn the lessons that need to be learned. Uh, the crazy thing about this as well is that the police are still investigating other suspicious activities that may have happened over her time because they've only looked at the killings of babies since the end of 2015 to 2016 and she was working there from 2012 to 2016 so they still got three years that they haven't checked so there could be more um and after that she got a really quick sentence so she was sentenced to the rest of her life in prison like literally never coming out and she's the third woman in the UK to be served this sentence so that is the Lucy Letby case. A bit of a wild one. I yeah. need to like come back in 20, 30 years because I feel like something's going to be like, new research has shown that Lucy, la da 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 fuck me, yeah. Is very, very fucked. I hope. Because, like, you know, in the beginning when you were talking about how, um, what is it called? How about, like, she was giving her, the children too much milk? And I was like, maybe, maybe she was tired. Maybe she had other things in her mind. Air, I don't know how that would happen, but maybe if you had, like, a little air bubble in that. But, but at the same time, like, I have played with like you know like what is it called um okay so we've had some technical difficulties so if this does not flow as well as it should this is why and if you feel like it's flowing nothing really happened um but we're still talking about uh murderers my favorite murder um i don't know why i have that in my in my head i know there's a podcast called my favorite murder um oh no it is 
It's called Who's Um. It's the series with Selena Gomez in it. Only murderers in the building. Their podcast oh, is called My Favorite Murder. Yeah. That's why I have it in my head because I just started watching it again because season three is out. But this is me derailing into something different else. So let's reel it back into my topic. I also want to say that this is such a huge disclaimer because. I'm not the person who will get like easily triggered when it comes to like sexual violence or like violence, whatever, but maybe it's because I was way into my head into this and doing my research and I was only like focusing on this. That's why I'm, I felt like kind of like I got, I kind of got the ick, but this is your disclaimer. I'll be talking about sexual violence and I will be going deep into it. Okay. Okay. So... <laughs> My favorite murderer today is a man called Joseph James D'Angelo and he is known as the Golden State Killer and this might be like the longest um case ever or like the lo- it ha- his actions were ongoing for like 20 years but then he didn't get caught until like 20 20- 20 years later I guess or 20 30 years later so it's just been like a 50 year kind of case if you look at like that so let's dive into it so I, I want to go first into who is Joseph because I am such a psychologist girl because if anyone knows me knows that I actually didn't want to major in psychology just because I want to know what happens in your head tell me So on November 8th, 1945, Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. came into this world in New York. His father was a surgeon in the US Army and Joseph had already two older sisters, Connie and Rebecca, together with a younger brother, John, that came later on. And he is very well, like, very well um educated because like he graduated high school and in um and then after high school he joined the united states navy in september 1964 he served like almost two years 22 months i think in the vietnam war as a damage controlman on the cruiser in the uss canberra and the destroyer tender uss Piedmont. I don't know if this words are meaning anything to you guys. I forgot to do my research on what that is because oh, I know he was in the Navy for two years. Um, he then went to uni. He majored in police science and graduated with honours. Um, he also went to uni and made, um, he also got a bachelor degree in crim- criminal, criminal justice and also took post post graduate um, courses to further his police training and he ended up being a burglary burglary unit police officer in 1973 so he's like very educated he's learned a lot except like especially like growing up with a father who has been in the force or like kind of the same line course as him so he's he knows what he's doing now in the streets honey um <laughs> oh fuck. Um so in 1970 um D'Angelo became 
am engaged to a nursing student, Boney Jean Colwell. And this is the first red flag I'm going to give you guys. Um, she broke it off in 71 after dating about a year um, because he became manipulative and abusive. After the breakup, Mr. Joseph attempted to force um, his former ex-girlfriend to marry him by threatening her with a gun yeah but don't worry guys he 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 did eventually get married but to another woman named sharon marie haddle um they got married in 1973 and divorced spoiler alert i guess in 2019 and they got three daughters together i could not for the life of me get two of their names but one of the daughters names that has been um, named in multiple articles is Misha Louise D'Angelo and if she is the person I think she is on Instagram such a gorgeous girl um <laughs> but I honestly like all the articles that I was reading she was the only person named and the other daughters were like one of the daughters um she will stay unnamed so only lord knows what yeah but the family never suspected anything of what um Joseph was doing in the evenings um like the eldest daughter went as far to like say that he was a perfect father he was always there he was always like like the mother knew something was off um because like there are, she's an adult she's known him something is just off but she only thought like mate the worst case scenario he's cheating um that is not the case well it is the case but i need to stop making light of this because it's actually very very heavy um so in 79 1979 he was arrested for shoplifting a hammer and dog repellent this is a very weird um mixture of things but then he was sentenced to six months of probation and fired that same year from where he was working um during the process of being fired joseph threatened to kill the chief of police and allegedly stalked the chief's house so red flags are out here popping left right and center um in the heating hearing um that took place the hearing that took place in 2018 a relative reported that when joseph was a young child he witnessed a rape of his sister connie by two airmen in a warehouse in west germany where the family was stationed at the time because the father used to like travel a lot and what i've read about this is that like um they were together so joseph was 10 and connie was seven and there were just two men that came in and raped connie right in front of joseph's eyes and he didn't really do anything about it um and some psychologists say that the incident may have sparked a fantasy with rape for jo joseph um who was a former police officer and mechanic who served in the u.s navy during the vietnam war according to experts who has examined serial killer backgrounds for the fbi and i do see that correlation because when you see something happen to someone so close to your family like something will go off especially if you do not get the help that you need and also um not to like jump the bullet but i feel like rape was very taboo in that 
time of age as well as they were so young like maybe I, I don't have children I don't know and I don't know any seven-year-olds so I don't really know like if they know what happened um to like talk about it if that makes sense because like how can you talk about something you don't know how to like put words to um and yeah pro sorry um following the joseph convention convention that or to follow joseph joseph's like police hearing in 2018 uh, rebecca that was one of his sisters claimed that he was also abused by their father while he was growing up so growing up um joseph's father has been really really abusive to his mom and everyone saw this happening like he kept on hitting her and also this kind of lives hint that the father was also hitting the children as well and being very abusive towards them um but yeah so he has had a lot of twisted things and like during his teenage years people have like in the hearing like people told kept on saying that he used to like torture um and kill animals and just do a little bit of burglary but but i kind of i've I've never never gotten to know to say that word but burglaries but yeah um joseph's brother-in-law claimed that he was casually bring he'd casually bring up the east area rapist aka joseph in or like himself but he always used to like did you hear about this person who did this or did you he was talking about himself but he was kind of like trying to get that buzzing around um in conversation within like family events and all that and people thought that was very very weird because he was he had this weird fixation to the um east east area rapist or as i introduced him as the gold state killer um neighbors also reported that he would frequently engage in loud profound outbursts one neighbor also reported that his family received a message or a phone call uh, from joseph threatening to deliver a load of death because of their barking dog um so yeah he has just been a very violent man but like when you're reading out this out loud like oh he killed animals he was just a teenage boy oh he got mad because it's it's just oh it's just a man you know what i mean this is just me reading way into it but um when he got caught or got convicted he was living with one of his daughters that was not named and granddaughter at the time of his arrest in 2018 yeah oh yeah okay so let's get into what is actually really really fucking creepy and made my stomach turn how it started so the case of the golden state killer also known as east area rapist as i've already established started with a serial rapist and became a 40-year manhunt for a murder that spanned 500 miles the first crime thought to be connected to the rapist that took place in June 18, 1976. Keep, keep in mind, the first maybe um, rape uh, connection is in 76. 
So let's jump into how it started. So the case of the Golden State Killer started with a serial rapist and became a 40-year manhunt for a murder that spanned 500 miles. I'm not really a mile person, but I know that it's it's a, it's a lot. Um, the first crime th- thought to be connected to the rapist took place in on June 18th, 1976. And like, keep in mind, he got convicted in 2018. Um, when a man broke into a home in Racho Cordova, a Sacramento suburb, and assaulted a woman in their home. Over the next two years, the man known as the East Area Rapist or Golden State Killer uh, was linked to 38 attacks in the Sacramento and Stokin areas. Authorities um, say that he would often stalk his victim for several days at the times, um, break into their homes and leave a twine or like leave some twine, which he would later use to tie up his victims and unlock windows sometimes when he was done he would take jewelry identification cash and coins from the victims homes so this is a well thought planned out thing um at the beginning it's believed that the rapist would seek out women who lived alone in single family homes but later he targeted couples he would tie up the male partner and then tie up and rape the woman, sometimes over a period of several hours while he snacked on their food. What the hell? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, nine months after the first crime, police in the Sacramento area received phone calls from a man claiming to be the East Area Rapist. He taunted the police at one point and said, I have my next victim already stalked and you guys can't catch me. That same day, um, this will be March 18th, 1977, the 15th attack took place. That's creepy. That is absolutely disturbing. Um, So December of 77, the Sacramento Bee and Sacramento Mayor got letters from a person claiming to be the East Area Rapist. It had a poem titled Excitement Crave and included the phrase Sacramento should make an offer to make a movie about my life that will pay for my planned exile. This this man was going into a spiral. Um, by the beginning of 1978, previous victims began getting calls threatening to kill them and calls to victims and different agencies continued until around 2001 but it wasn't like as much after a certain time that I cannot remember but it will come in the podcast but like this man was I don't know maybe I'm reading way into this but maybe because he kind of knows known the, knows the force and like has been in it he kind of knows what 
strings to pull and what kind of exciting things and he was just kind of I don't know I think just something switched in his brain from because I don't I don't know why he was starting to get to be a policeman if it was to actually create justice and create the peacefulness for like people living in his area or if it was to like fuck with them like he did at that point like it's there's so much like layers yeah layering into this and here comes the biggest um warning that you guys will ever um get for me um because i am about to read a victim like word for word like a victim um story uh and i got this from the abc news i just didn't want to like retell it because when i was reading it i was like fuck me um so here we go so the victim that i want to talk about is called jane carson sandler and let's go it was just before 6 30 a.m on october 5th 1976 jane carson sandler a 30 year old wife and mother studying to get her nursing degree was cuddling with her three-year-old son in her citrus heights california home after her husband left for work when a man believed to be the golden state killer broke in wearing a ski mask and holding a butcher's knife he shined a flashlight in her eyes he told us with clenched teeth shut up or i'll kill you shut up or i'll kill you Carson Sandler, now 72, recalls to ABC News 2020, he must have said it 10 times. I wasn't paying attention to the rape. I was paying attention to what he had done with my son. He gagged and blindfolded me and tied me up with shoelaces. She said that she could hear him ripping up sheets or towels and opening her hairdresser a hairdresser's drawer his next move was to my son i was already scared to death but this is where the fear really took place i had no idea where he had put him my heart was pounding through my chest and i prayed dear lord please please let my son be safe then he came around and he untied my ankles she said this was th- she said that she was terrorized as he raped her i wasn't paying attention to the rape i was paying attention to what he had done with my son did he move me him because he wanted more room on the bed did he move him because he prob- possibly was being a nice guy i don't know After the rape was over, praise the Lord, he moved my son back next to me. I could feel his body. And then I was relieved. Then the killer said, don't move or I'll come back and kill you. Then he goes into the kitchen and he starts rattling pots and pans. Carlson Sander waited until she stopped hearing joseph in the house she said that she was able to maneuver her blindfold and when she got her blindfold down um could you believe it that her three-year-old son was still asleep she woke him up and said we've got to go we've got to get out of here 
They managed to escape to a neighbor's house where she called the police and her husband was still at work. She refused to talk to a male officer um, and finally got through to a female officer, Detective Carol Daly. Carson Sander never talked about the rape because in that time, rape was something to feel shame about. You were not a victim, but you should feel shame. The only physical uh, physical wound, when I say physical, like, yeah, on your skin that she had from that night was scratches from a knife used to threaten her. She had a lot of mixed emotions. She was both happy to be alive, but sad from what happened that day. One day she could rejoice that she came from that day alive and still being a mother to her son. And the next day she could be crying, being paralyzed in bed crying. Um, Carson Sander was believed to be the fifth victim of the Golden State Killer, um, who police say committed 12 murderers and at least 50 rapes and multiple home burglaries throughout California in the 1970s and 1980s. Um, Carson Sander continues and say that I was fortunate that I was number five because after my rape, he became much more aggressive in his tactics and much more abusive. Carson Sander said, that man that raped me now is murdering other women and men and bludgeoning them to death. Um, There are no words. Every day in the newspaper, it is just number eight, then it was number 10, then it was number 15, 20, 28, 30. It just kept going on. Um, The last case that was documented was in 1986, when an 18-year-old Janlin Cruz was killed. Uh, Cruz was bound and raped and bludgeoned in the face and in the head um, at her home. And that was the last time that um, Joseph uh, did that or like did any of that. That is recorded. Yeah. He did allegedly like kept on like calling and did like not not unharmful but not as harmful yeah but yeah oh my god um it is that was deep like I could not try and retell that part because it was like when I was reading it I was like fuck me imagine that is can you imagine being that woman like going through that and like just the power of living through it and like having to shield your son as well um, and also like being ashamed of it I know it's the times but like having to hold that like that part of the you fear cannot pay. Oh. you can't really like oh wow um I think I read the same not the same article but like um this case where she was given like some shots and she was clean just in case like if he was carrying any diseases or anything um so yeah okay so how he was found this is my next part of my little murder murder mystery it was not really a mystery 
but um, the case went cold for a decade. Um, Joseph's name came up for the first time in the investigation in 2018. Sacramento District Attorney Annie Marie Spubert uh, said. So this is quite a cool technology thing that re- happened at the time and I'm going to go into it but this is why I kind of was very fascinated with this story because it's not often where you hear like someone has kind of gone free and then come back and gotten like executed 30 40 years later and it's because of technology of this is why it happened so um joseph became the first public arrest obtained through genetic genealogy a new technique that takes the DNA of an unknown suspect left behind at a crime scene and identifies him or her by tracking a family tree through his or her family members who voluntarily submit their DNA to public genealogy database. Um, To identify Joseph, investigator narrowed the family tree based on age, location and other characteristics once authorised zeroed in on Joseph. They serviced him and collected his DNA from a tissue he left in the trash. Investigators, I know is really like down, investigators plugged his discarded DNA back into the genealogy, that is also a hard word for me for one reason, database and found a match linking Joseph's DNA to DNA found at crime scenes um, and he was arrested in April 2018. After Joseph was taken into custody, he said himself in an interview room, I did all those things, I destroyed all those lives. Um, and on June 29, uh, 2020, Joseph pleaded guilty to 13th count of first degree murder. The plea deal also required Joseph to admit to multiple uncharged acts, including rapes, which were described in horrific detail by prosecutors, um, one of them being the one that I just read. Um, And the death penalty was taken off the table and he will serve life without parole uh, from August 18th, 2020. Um, Joseph was confronted in court by rape survivors, their relatives and relatives of those who he had killed. Survivor after survivor told stories of fear, grief and resilience. Joseph, who had sat in a wheelchair at the time and covered um, by a white face mask because it was COVID, as victims and family members gave statement, rose out of their wheelchair and spoke free of the face covering mask. I've listened to all of your statements, each one of them, and I'm truly sorry to everyone I have hurt. Thank you, Your Honour. Like, that's how he ended it. And I know. Maybe he's had time to, like, reflect and think of what happened. And he didn't turn himself in. And, like, 
no one really knows why he stopped because he never like just sat down and said this is why I stopped so a retired detective named like Paul I don't know why I say it like but a retired detective named Paul Holes, who investigated the case for decades, said to an interviewer for ABC's 2020 um, that he believed fear of being confronted by a combative victim caused him to halt the attacks after the murder of Sherry Domingo and Gregory Sanchez in on July 27, 1981, in Goleta. The Holes and Holes said. Lust is likely the reason the killer struck again on May 1986 with the rape and murder of Jelena Lisa Cruz in Irvine. So the story of Sherry Domingo and Gregory Sanchez is nothing that I'm really known for, but I know that they were walking their dog down the street and there was this um, man um, who most probably is Joseph was standing by the by a tree like stalking them and he jumped them and he killed the woman first um domingo and there was this fight where um this six foot one i think i think um joseph was like five foot eight um got into like this altercation but joseph won and killed the man so that's why they think that he kind of like shook him because no one has really like fought back everyone has just been submissive i guess and this is like where um detective halls was like i believe what ended up happening were two things in 1981 he ends up going to kill georgery and sherry and he gets into a fight physical fight and i think the physical fight um altercation with um sanchez scared him and we haven't had an attack for five years but then for some reason he runs across a beautiful 19 year old Janelle Cruz and he can't help himself and kills her. Um, so honestly, uh, Lord knows what's happening. I think it's also an addiction. Um, like it's also like an addiction or a game in his head of how many, how much could I get away with especially like in the beginning or like in the middle whenever he was like talking to the police and being like i'm gonna kill somebody you're never gonna get me so it's more like are they gonna get me like the adrenaline like an adrenaline junkie in that way i would say um because like studies have shown that it's common for serial predators to have grown up in abusive environments that he has already um but are a lot of people but there are also a lot of people who have like normal lives like lucy um, and who have not really had any trauma in their lives. So there's not really a dictionary about this is why people become insane. And if you want to um, kind of learn more, but you don't really want to go into all of the newspapers like I did, I felt like, um, you know, like the main character in journalist films, yeah. where they're like looking at old newspapers in this like, old um computers i was i was i was on my 2020 um macbook pro oh my god <laughs> but, <laughs> but i was like looking at like old newspapers and like pictures but if you don't want to go through all that there's a documentary that i have not watched so i don't know if it's good but it's on hbo called i'll be gone in the dark and it's like about 
um this man and hopefully i got all my facts straight and i did not fuck this one up but um oh, yeah i might have that little watch it was really interesting have a little watch. i think i've heard of like the golden state killer but i never knew the story or the background about it i can't believe it took one i can't believe how many he got away with oh yeah i, that, I can't I know. believe how long it took I mean, at least he's incarcerated now. I think he should have just got the death penalty. Not that I believe in it, but... Honestly, I when I read that, like, the death penalty was taken off the table, I do not know why it was. I mean, might have, I should have done more research into it. But I was so happy because um, in the end of, like, his hearing, he was like, I'm sorry, I've heard all of the stories and I'm so sorry for whatever I have done. That means that if he's really actually sorry, his res, 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 rem, what is it called? Remorseful. Uh, and that means he has to sit with what he's done. And I'm sure, like, not everything has come out to the surface. I'm sure there are some things that he is keeping on lock and key and he has to sit with that in prison until he dies yeah i find that um worse um and he's also old like he's not gonna do a prison break like i don't know he's 70 something if not 80 something like he's not doing a prison break move and like getting out here in the streets so he has to sit there and think of he's on a timeout <laughs> that's what he, <laughs> he is on timeout yeah now you say it like that it's true it's good that he has to sit there and just think about what he did i'm surprised he yeah. hasn't been like oh no he's in like protective care isn't he i was gonna say i'm surprised he's not being like beaten up yet in prison or something but you know because that is but like also in that case like the reason why i wanted to talk about the um the case that i talked about with um what's her name i'm so sorry that i forgot your name um jane carson sandler is the way he like took the boy out of the room so like does that mean that he knows what he was doing um was bad or wrong so that's why he doesn't want like the boy to turn out like him and put him like in another room i guess so he didn't see the actions and then like gave the little boy back to like that's but it was like she was victim number five so like yeah. maybe he was testing the oh, waters yeah, out i guess it was a sister wasn't it that he... yeah it was his sister yeah. that he like witnessed the rape so maybe he got like this fascination but he was he knew it was wrong but he just acted upon his like intrusive thoughts yeah you know what i mean yeah that's so true See, I'm telling you, I'm in down. No, no, it's so interesting. It was, it was a really interesting case. We should definitely do like a part two at some point. <laughs> is is mixed talk coming into a true crime podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> but yeah, oh no, I actually. Honestly, I could say so much more about this, but I have, I have, this is going to be a long one. It's going to be a long one. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, if you have a favourite serial killer or um, any true crime stories that you want to tell us, please DM us at Mixtalk99 
Or if you're old school and looked at all those newspaper articles that Ollie has been talking about, <laughs> please email us mixtalk99 at gmail.com. Yes, lovelies. Remember to take care of one another and look out for one another. And we will speak real, real soon. <laughs>